The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. No lie, your voice counts. So this is just a friendly reminder to make sure that you are registered to vote in the upcoming elections this November. Please text the word VOTER to 26797 to check your registration. You will also receive reminders for all local, state, and federal elections and your polling locations. Don't forget to follow I Am A Voter for more civic engagement opportunities. This is Sarah Riff, and welcome to Having It All in Other Lies, the podcast where I talk to people I admire about letting go of perfection, embracing the chaos, and redefining what success and happiness look like to them. Because ultimately, the only definition that matters is our own. I always say I love my friends who make jewelry just a little bit more than everybody else. And today's guest is most certainly no exception. Please welcome Los Angeles-based jewelry designer, Anita Ko, whose pieces are beloved by celebrity, fashion, and cool girls all over the world. From Rihanna to Hailey Bieber to Sarah Riff. Oops, look what I did there. She's an inspiring entrepreneur and a businesswoman, and I'm so grateful to have her here. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, my friend. How Hi, are my you? friend. How are you? I'm good. I feel like I haven't seen you in such a long time. I know. This has just been insane. It was at least like three months now, four months. We were kind of doing like a little bit of an exercise thing though for a while. Oh yeah. You know what? How we did had we a let couple the- good we had a couple good walks. We let that drop off and we gotta bring that back. I was so much more ambitious about working out in the very beginning Me of too. this. I was like, this is great. I'm gonna use this opportunity that I'm not, you know, going into an office to like take my calls on foot. I'm gonna get all the steps. And I think we were doing that for a second. Yeah, and, and then- I remember you were t- you were telling me about the podcast then too. It was in the early stages, yes. and I was excited for you. So now we're here. Yeah, so now we're here. It all comes. You made it, it all happen. comes together. You made it happen. So how are you doing with everything? You know, I mean, I've definitely been riding on a roller coaster ride, and I've definitely had my ups and downs. But I'm just trying to get through it day by day and keep a sense of humor at the same time. What's business like? You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, that's why I have to take it day by day because today my retailers are, you know, starting to open up and get back on their feet and I'm trying to support them like they supported me on my come up and they're just really having a hard time and they're suffering. And, you know, I'm just hoping that this is a time, but I do think that the way we shop and the way things will be for retailers will have to change. I don't think that things will go back to like full normal, Mm -hmm. maybe ever. So I'm trying to get things back on track since I can't do trunk shows and I can't travel and I can't debut things in retail stores anymore at the department stores. I'm trying to find ways to communicate, whether it be Insta live stories or Zooms to still feel I'm connected to my buyer, to my people. Yeah. But you know, like in the beginning of COVID, I thought, oh, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be like a one month vacation for all of us. It's going to be fine. It's just going to be a break. And then here we are. Here we are. And you know, week two of going into COVID, I knew things were actually not going to be that when I had retailers of mine 
who had been in business for many, many years, send us emails saying that they're so sad, but that they were going to be closing for good. And I just couldn't believe it. It was like an old friend dying. It was a part of my life for over a decade. So I just was so sad to to lose that connection, I guess, you know? It's crazy to think that Barney's closed before any of this. Yes. We should have known that that was the beginning of the end. Yes. And one of my favorite stores in the world, Jeffrey's New York, closed two weeks into the pandemic. I was really sad about that. Neiman's filed for bankruptcy, but they were able to regroup and now they're going to come back stronger. Mm -hmm. But we're just going to have to change. We're going to have to pivot and diversify the way we organically connect with our consumer. As a business owner, when you see that as an extension of your sort of your sales projection and your avenue for reaching out to all these customers, does it strike panic or have you been sort of like getting accustomed to retail changing so much that you have had to start pivoting long before COVID, right? Yes. Long before COVID, I was already using social media as a platform to show my clientele new energy, new pieces, new designs, also just like my point of view and the core ethos of my business, which has always been to design wearable jewelry on the go that's stylish, but most importantly, high quality for my clients because jewelry is something that makes us feel good. It makes us feel special. It brings sparkle into our lives. It makes us feel stronger, sexier, more beautiful. So I really try to deliver and design pieces that translate to that. And I have been using my social media platform to express that a lot. I feel sexier wearing this diamond that I just took (laughs) off of Anita's finger. And I, I have to say it's working. So if you want to leave it behind with me, you know, and you're talking about new ways to reach your customer. And if that's sort of what you had in mind, I accept. Okay. Well, I have to design a piece with that first. And (laughs) And I will take it off your hands. So starting out in the beginning, where did you grow up? I grew up in Los Angeles. I'm born and raised here. So I really feel that that influences how I design what I design, how I layer my pieces. It's just really an extension of myself. Right. And there's that sort of California casual component where you can be in a pair of sweatpants and be wearing all of your fuck off jewelry and it doesn't feel incongruous at all, right? Yeah. And that's what I really want. I really want to design pieces that you're going to wear and enjoy because it's not inexpensive. So I want you to feel that it's something that is going to be a part, an extension of you and a part of you for hopefully the rest of your life. And because diamonds and gold live on, that it's passed on, that it's inherited. That's why I like to design pieces that are timeless, but also are modern. So it's not your grandmother's jewelry. It's your own. Mm -hmm. Did you always think that you would become a jewelry designer? I definitely did not know or did not think of it when I was younger. I loved designing jewelry and have been since I was a kid. But when I was younger, I just didn't know that that was the avenue I was going to pursue. Because, you know, when you're 12, you think you're going to be a dancer or an actress or a a school teacher, Mm -hmm. you know? 
I didn't know until I was in my 20s. I never knew that you thought you were going to be a dancer, Anita. I didn't either. <laughs> I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. But I'm just saying, like, I just didn't even think about a career when I was younger because yeah. I was completely involved with all the things that a young child thinks about. You know, I, I didn't even consider it to be a real career till I was in my 20s. So when you were growing up and you were, you know, dreaming of a life dancing. <laughs> Which I didn't, but I just, you know, I mean, I'm just using that as an example. No, but I, li I like that for you. I like that for your narrative. <laughs> so growing up, did you have a notion of what having it all looked like to you? Is that something you ever thought of? I mean, I think that like when I was a kid, like it meant having three kids and a husband that adored you. And I didn't really think of like a career because so many women in my family did not work. So I think initially as a child, you compare yourself to like a princess and you wanted your prince. And did your mom work growing up? She did, but you know, it was something that she wanted to do. And I almost had wished she hadn't when I was a kid, but I, I, because you wanted her home more or what was that yeah, about? Yeah, and I think that just like my aunts didn't. And I just thought that that was what was supposed to be normal. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, like I think that all women should have something that they pursue, whether they're blessed financially to not have to pursue something to make their own money, but to just give back to society. I think as a woman to make her own money and to have her own kind of freedom is really important in today's day and age. So I would not trade that for anything, having my own career. But I didn't know that I was going to have a career when I was younger. It's something I think that today the girls are luckier because most of them probably assume they are. Going to have a career. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that we were probably of that like last genre in the age group of like, it was acceptable just to kind of get married, have your Prince Charming and have children. I think now everybody assumes you, you can have all of that. I think that we as women, our generation probably created that, which was that you can have the family, the, ki the kids and a big career. So in your family, you know, was pursuing something in design or fashion, was that something that you felt was acceptable? Being Korean and coming from a family where my grandfather was a doctor and he was also a professor. And I have so many members of my family that are in the medical field that I knew I did not want to pursue that. Mm -hmm. I knew that that wasn't my forte. I would see it in my little sister, even though she's not in the medical field per se, she could look at being eight years old. She would look at an operation and not cringe, but I didn't feel that that was going to be That's my avenue. Path, right? And you know, with my family, luckily enough, I was able to be born into a family that did let me pursue my dreams, my passions. They just, of course, wanted you to be successful in it, you mm -hmm. know? And so I was lucky enough that they gave me a chance to be who I am today. I was lucky that they, when I said I would like to pursue this, the answer wasn't no, but okay. Because I think that they've known that that's what I love doing. And since I was a kid, I would make my own jewelry. Right. So, so they never were trying to have you follow any particular no, path? No, medical school was definitely not a path that they pressured me into going into. They so didn't I was see like, there. no, no. And they did not pressure me into becoming, going into business school, like so many other members of my family. And 
they allowed me to pursue a creative path, which I'm forever grateful. So at what point did you decide that you wanted to have your own line? You wanted to design. How did you get from zero to 60? I started zero to 60 by starting when I was in my early 20s. I had been robbed in my apartment and they had stole all my handbags oh, on the I'm, way. At- okay. I know this story. And not just robbed, but held <laughs> up at gunpoint. Oh, no. That's another story with Esty. How have you been robbed more than one time? <laughs> that that was in front of her house. Right. And this is I in front of your house? No, this was, they had gone into my apartment and had taken all of my handbags. Okay. So- but they were not home when you got I home. I was not home. Okay, so you I, get home, you you're, all your handbags have been stolen. All of my handbags have been stolen. So I didn't have a bag and I had this really cool vintage fabric and I just decided to have this woman I know, I told her the design I wanted and mm-hmm. I had her make up this bag. And literally everywhere I went, people would ask me, where did you get your bag? Wait, and this is your sole bag that you've created This is only because all your other bags have been stolen. And it was just a simple tote, but I think it was a cute basic design with a really but cute Anita, fabric. But Anita, this is so industrious because you weren't like, you know what, I'm going to go and buy a new bag to put my things in. You're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find some scraps around here and have yeah, one I, made. I, exactly. I was sustainable before sustainable was cool. You I know what know I mean? <laughs> I, never, I never knew Anita Co. was so sustainable. I, neither did I. But now that I think about it, it was something that I I definitely did. You have to rewrite your bio. And I also think that like, you know, I was in my early 20s. I, you know, a lot of the bags were gifts. I just didn't have the budget to go and like yeah. so buy another bag. So you were working with what you had. So I was working with what I had and I made this cute bag and everywhere I'd go, people would ask me about it. And I was at the nail salon one day and this woman came up to me and she said, your bag is adorable. Where did you get it? And I said, oh, I made it. And she said, well, I'm a sales rep and I have a showroom downtown and I rep Juicy Couture and Hard Candy Nail Polish. And if you make Which four- Which was like the coolest Which was the time. coolest at the time. And she said, if you make me four styles, I'll rep you. These stories are always so crazy because these are like the girls who are like out in Siberia and they're literally selling fruit on the road. When someone happens to come by and say like- I'm a scout for elite models and I'm going to take you to Paris. Exactly. Because I've like made a lot of stuff and nobody's ever come up to me and offered me anything. Yeah. I mean, I so she said, we need four bags. We need four styles and I'll rep you. So. And you're not even a bag designer. You're just like a woman with stolen bags. Exactly. I was a girl. I was like, okay, what do I do? So I go to the place that had the fabric where I originally found it. Mm -hmm. And I said, I need to get some more of that fabric. 10 more yards. And they're like, oh, honey, we sold that out. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, but I'm I'm now a bag designer. I was like, and I'm, I'm on a the bag hook for these. I'm starting a line. Do you get it? And he was like, okay, well, I have this whole warehouse back here of old fabric. It's yours to do whatever you want with it. Just pay me. I don't know. I forget how much a yard. So, you know, I went back there. I looked through. So much of it was gross. But I did find some things that I loved. Are you nervous at all? Because the woman who offered you this deal was sort of based on the initial bag. You know, I think that I was so young at the didn't time. Didn't even occur to you. That, you know, when you are 22 or 23, you just don't have that fear because it doesn't matter. You know okay. what I mean? Right. Like a week prior, you weren't even going to be a bag designer. So you're just kind of like... Yeah, I just was like, okay, like she came up to me. So like, let's see. She'll take what I give her. Yeah, let's see how it looks even, you know? So 
I came up with four styles. I remember it was like a messenger bag and a cute little tote and then just some basic styles, but it was really about the fabric. Mm -hmm. And I took it in and she loved it. And before I knew it, she was getting me orders from all of these stores. And I didn't even really know how to pursue this. Did you know how to price these bags? I didn't because I priced it too cheap. Right. I didn't realize that till six months in. I was only making ten to twenty dollars a bag. Okay. So how much was how much did a bag cost? I mean, I was wholesaling them for some of them fifty dollars, okay. seventy-five dollars, like and then they would retail for a hundred or hundred and fifty. What's your bag line called? Like, trash bags. And it was what? Yeah. <laughs> you literally were like, I've given no thought to this. So what would I call it? Just like, I don't know, like these are like trash bags. They're not my good bags that the burglar wanted. They're just the trash bags. That's kind of it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So you're like selling out your trash bags, but you're not even marking them up enough to make money off of I them. I like didn't even realize it. So, you know, eight months into it, 10 months into it, I go through all the cool fabric mm-hmm. and I realize I don't have any more fabric and <laughs> this is a problem. And you haven't been collecting enough money to like put back into the brand and create the fabric. No, like I was still being fully supported by my parents. Mm -hmm. Like every dollar was going back into the business. So I run into a production problem, which I didn't realize because I didn't know about business, but that you should have enough raw materials to supply your demand. So I go to buy more fabric and the fabric that I could find that's similar is $50 a yard which is five times the price that I had originally been paying. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was screwed. So I either had to go a totally different direction and look, or I would have to raise my prices five times. How many bags do you have in the market at this point? Maybe. How many trash bags are out there? Thousands. Thousands of trash bags. Are you starting to get editorial? You know, editorial, there's, I press wasn't even a thing back then for me. It was more about like, Getting into stores, these show, I, I all of a sudden, before I knew it, I had a showroom in New York that was taking the line on. And you're what, like 24? I, I want to say maybe I was like 22. 22. <laughs> and all of a sudden you are successful bag designer. No, because no. cut to, I'm doing it probably for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I realized this isn't my thing. Okay. I wasn't into it. I'm grateful. I mean, you couldn't even give it a decent name. You called them trash bags. I know. I, you know, the thing is like, it was something that I fell into and I always say it was business school for me. Right. Because I got to understand what it was to make something from A to Z. Mm -hmm. I also got to understand a little bit more of the trials and tribulations that happen in business. So I just think that it wasn't a passion for me. It was something that you get to the point, the excitement wears off of creating something. You get to the point where you either have to really love it to pursue further mm-hmm. or you have to ask yourself, is this really what I want to do? Do and you think that that we happens were. to a lot of people who yes. start brands? Yes. And it's definitely happened to me in the jewelry business all the time. You know, you, you go through trials and tribulations. I just love and have a passion for fine jewelry. That love gets me past all of the trials and tribulations to have me pursue further. So you decide, so then I'm I, not going to continue with I say, this. I say to my father, I don't think that this is for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I'm going to stop. Mm-hmm. What does he say? And he said, okay, do something that you love to do or go back to school or be a teacher, he would say, mm-hmm. or do something good for society 
or if not, then do something you absolutely love. So I think I like took a couple years off, I remember, and I kind of just like trying to figure things out, just being me living. And don't you think it's interesting, Anita, that there's so many people, it sounds like this was such a, this, I kind of landed in your lap. The stakes were not very high. It sounds like it found an audience. It found success, but ultimately it didn't really sustain your interest and passion. And really when it got to the place where you were like either probably having to go all in to make it an actual thing or not, you just didn't have the interest. But there's so many people who are pursuing creating a bag line who put all of their eggs in the basket, do everything, and it just never kind of hits. Do you think that's a timing thing? What do you think that's about? Or do you think that sometimes what's meant to be will be, and if you're trying too hard to force something, maybe it's not? You know, even when I started designing, I come from a different school of thought. I just make things. So, you know, when I started getting into designing, I would just design a piece for myself. I designed a piece for myself. And my first design was a circle diamond necklace. And wherever I would go, people, people would, would, like that. Would, would want one. So I would sell one and make two. And I would sell two and make four. And then I slowly would add other things. I mean, when I first started getting into jewelry, I want to say it took me five years before I even felt confident enough to really like say, I'm going to go No, well, to do my own namesake brand, Mm -hmm. you know, to even pursue that. Like it took me five years of tinkering, creating things, seeing how, how to make a mold, how to, how to go into then metal work, how to cast something. It just... All of those steps along the way were learning experiences. And I'm somebody that doesn't design 24 pieces, do a whole marketing plan, have investors, and then launch. I'm much more of a, hey, I just made the shirt. Do you like it? Right. And then (laughs) is that how you started to grow the business though? Yes. So as a woman-owned business, I really, you know, encourage women to start using their own creativity and just, but don't let the stigma of having a brand or a big business, keep them away from doing that. Just make something that whatever it may be. Ladies, you, just you, create. You, you started your podcast. Yeah. You didn't think, am I Ryan Seacrest? You're- I did think that. <laughs> I thought, am I Ryan Seacrest? I am. So let's go. So that's what I'm saying. So you're, but you're doing it to pursue what you love, right. which has always been connecting with people and having a good laugh and having a good chat and having a face for radio. Yeah. (laughs) You have a face for TV. So I just think that it's important for women to feel that they're just expressing themselves. When I started designing jewelry, I didn't make a salary. I Mm -hmm. didn't pay myself. I made all of the pieces using my own money. And then if I would sell something, I had more money to make another piece. Right. And then, you know, when I first started my business, I think back now, like I had all of my pieces just on one tray and I had launched that way. And so maybe I only had eight to 10 pieces and I had girlfriends come over and I, and they would buy pieces and they would love like the stuff that I was creating because I think that I was designing back then it was either Cartier, Van Cleef, Roberto Coyne, David Yurman, or kind of stuff that we wouldn't wear in our aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I feel like they were targeting a little bit more of a mature audience. Mm-hmm. And then the other kind of jewelry that was around was a little bit like 
less quality to mm-hmm. what I like, you know, and the designs were just knockoffs of the of the bigger brands or engagement rings mm-hmm. and things. So mm-hmm. I kind of just wanted to design for myself and what I was inspired by. And I think it resonated with a lot of my girlfriends. And then it made me feel that I was on the right track. And the first five years after that, there were many, many times that I wanted to quit. Why? It's not easy having your own business. Right. So I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about what you said about kind of getting so brand focused, because right now we're in a period of time too, where I think that it's like brands are God. Mm -hmm. Everybody is a brand, has a brand. It's like what you're talking about is like this really organic approach. And it sounds like also it really worked out for you. And I'm glad that you're going to share any hurdles as well. Yeah, I'm grateful it worked out. Did I want to start a brand? Yes. But I wanted to start a brand with my point of view, which was targeting less of a mature audience, but more of my age group and my lifestyle and our Los Angeles energy and vibe and, you know, some sexy layered jewelry that I just didn't see out in the market. I wanted to create that for myself and for us. So when it was all going well, what made you want to quit? Well, there were times that, you know, when you start a business, things go well and then things go not so things well. Things go not so well. And like that old saying of like anything that can go wrong does, it you are going to face that when you start your own thing. Wait, so you mean that all that glitters is not gold? It, not always. Sometimes. Are there any hurdles that you feel like you've encountered that you would be able to advise or give? feedback for anybody out there who's thinking of starting a line like this themselves? I mean, definitely have a point of view, have come in with something that is different in the marketplace. I think that right now, a lot of people kind of are piggybacking off of other people. And I think definitely if you're coming in right now, be fresh, have something that makes somebody like me even be like, wow, that's so cool, you know? Or just love it and do you, what, no matter what it is. If it's making jewelry out of horsehair, make it because you love it. That's is that all. a thing? It was a Victorian thing. Mm-hmm. But just do you, I, I feel like. How does it work with jewelry? Like in terms of, you know, I'm sure right now, especially because we see so much just being hyper visually stimulated all the time on Instagram and through editorial and digital How does it work in terms of like, is there IP as far as jewelry goes? Or do you feel like, you know, when you're saying you need to have a fresh perspective, you need to have your own strong design sense, but with jewelry, can you copyright things or how does that work? You can, you definitely can. There are certain things you cannot. I mean, I think that like what the great thing about jewelry is that there is a price point for everybody out there, but I do find that it's the one business that you get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. So if you see something from a brand and it's $100,000 and you see something that looks exactly the same, but it's $4,000, I can guarantee you that the $4,000 one just isn't quality wise anywhere near the one that's 100. So it's just, it's just, you get what you pay for. Right. Right. If something costs you $150, yeah, it that. is. It is that. You know, it's not probably something that's going to last a lifetime. To or... quote the great Donald Trump, it is what it is. I mean, it's not, <laughs> let's not quote him, but you know, it's just something, it's just, that's how like through social media, like you could put the same diamond up, but one could be better quality there. You will see the shine difference. You will see. 
Right. That's like all it is. But that's why when I say like come with a different perspective, if you're going to start now, it's just because it's very saturated, the market, you know? Right. And we're seeing all of it too all the time. For you personally, like outside of business, how do you feel like you keep your head on straight and keep your focus on being positive? Yeah. I mean, luckily, like I have- Anita, am I confused or didn't you come to me with an attitude of gratitude not long ago? I mean, I definitely have attitudes of gratitude. I think that that keeps me grounded. I also like have a connection with a higher power. I think that that kind of gets me at times to just be like, okay, I'm here where I'm supposed to be. Is that something you've always had? I think so. It's something that I was lucky always to kind of have a connection with. I think that- Is that um, specific to any religion? No, not really. I think that I've just always felt that connection to a higher power and have known that I don't know everything all the time, nor am I ever going to. And so I kind of have to let things unfold as they be. And so I've always kind of had that, you know, I also have a great family. So that's been wonderful to just know that they're always there for me. I definitely want to pursue other things in my personal life and I'll get to that. But I just think that that's why I'm right now I'm trying to settle certain things in other areas of my life, because I do feel that like, you can have it all a hundred percent. I just think it's really hard to have it all at the same time. I think that you come to it as it happens in your life. You yeah. know, do you feel a pressure to have those things? I, I think that you, it's sort of so funny because you're someone who says, I, you know, I didn't really know, you know, what I have a career and yet here you are this dominant, incredible female founder, boss, Etc. of this brand that it feels like you built very organically. Yeah. And I still do. I, I think I go with the attitude of a very like, or I don't have a master plan or a formula on how to be successful in business. I think that I just really try to maintain my core values of why I started this business and what I want it to be. And I think that as long as I do that, like it will be there. I'm just trying to, you know, it's just, it's now it's starting to like evolve a little bit more on its own as a business. And so some of the things that I had to struggle with the minutia in the beginning, I don't have to, but I have a different set of issues now, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's true what they say, like more money, more problems. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But is that what you were going to say? I mean, not like, you know, that way. You were going to say it more eloquently. Yeah. But like, but it's true. But it's true. Right. It's not like you you never graduate past dealing with stuff. You're just dealing with different issues, right? Yeah. Like so it's like it may not be the minutia that you were dealing with in the beginning, but now it's actually it's like bigger problems. Yeah. Harder falls, you know, like yeah. things that have a lot more impact yes. at this point. Yes. But you get past that like after the first 5 years of having those moments of do I want to quit? I, you definitely don't have those anymore. You know, you get past that. Right. But then your problems change. Right. It's a little bit like going out into the ocean. Like it's either like the waves are coming. I'm either going to have to swim out further and get under them to get out to smoother seas. Yes. Or have to go back on shore. Exactly. Do you set goals like in terms of you and milestones for your career? Because I'm sure you've reached a lot of the things that Mm -hmm. you maybe Mm -hmm. never anticipated. Mm -hmm. But are you pretty goal oriented? Like when I hit this, you know, I will feel some sense of this was a success or how do you keep 
motivated, but also take stock of the things you have accomplished? I mean, I definitely have wants and, but I don't make the milestones because like, I'll give you a great example. Like when I started my jewelry line, I really wanted to get into Barney's. What year is this? This is at least 10 years ago. And I really thought that Barney's was like the pinnacle the fit for me. And when I had my meetings with the buyers, I just didn't feel that she was that enthusiastic about it. So I was really crushed. Uh-huh. And did you sense that or was her feedback like, I'm not that enthusiastic about this? Uh, both. Uh-huh. And I you was- You were like, I don't know why. I got this weird sense she was no, 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 But I just, we didn't vibe. Let's just put it to okay. you this way. Okay. And I was devastated. I mean, that was one of the moments that weekend where I said, do I even want to pursue this business any longer? But I had to get past the rejection. You know, I had to move forward. I then would have loved to have been in Bergdorf's. And- she also told me I wasn't ready. I met with her probably for eight to nine years at Bergdorf's before she took me on. But at that point, I had other successes. I, I, I had become a big designer on Net-A-Porter. I was doing well at so many of my other stores that I had to say to myself, okay, maybe I'm not going to get into Barney's. Maybe I'm not going to get into Bergdorf's, you know? Cut to, you know, I finally did. And we were doing really well. And then, of course, Barney starts calling, begging me to go in there. And I don't even think twice. Did you because say yes or, or you said middle finger? I don't even think I called back, but... You said middle finger with my biggest ring on. Exactly. But, you know, cut to what's karmic about life is that that buyer is now my buyer at Bergdorf's. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. After after having years of other buyers at Bergdorf's, now she's my buyer. At Your Barney's buyer is now a buyer at Bergdorf's. Yeah. And so now you're at Bergdorf. Well, I am at Bergdorf's, but not thanks to her. I right. was, I've been Prior. there for years now. Prior. And don't you think you can use some of those things too as like incentive and motivation to yeah. push you? Yeah. I mean, like I get along with the buyer, current buyer today wonderfully and it's just the way things go. I wasn't ready at the time. I right. mean, that's just fact. Whether my ego wanted to accept it or not, I wasn't, even though I thought I was, it just wasn't the right fit. I mean, she had other issues. It it was it wasn't the right fit for me to be at Barney's. And now, retrospect, looking back, man's rejection is God's protection. You know, Ooh. but I did have it in my career. I did have struggles. I did have times, but I have also an incredible group of jewelry designer friends that we support each other and we get our, ourselves through the toughest times because only we understand what we go through. And so I, you know, their support has been enormous to me and I've just gotten through it. You know, I've had to suffer trials and tribulations, rejections. And then I've also got to have all the rewards of getting to a certain place, you know? Yeah. But, and do you feel like you're at that place now? Do you, I mean, can no, you recognize like, your success? No, I, I always feel like I can do better or try harder. That's just unfortunately like part of who I am. I still don't even think of myself as a big jewelry designer. I don't. Really? I know. I know that people think that's. So I just don't. I've seen the refrigerator <laughs> drawers in your bathroom to prove you wrong. <laughs> Anita, that's the pinnacle of success to me. Anita has refrigerated drawers in her bathroom to store her cold face products. <laughs> The rest of us laymen are just putting it like in the cabinet. Anybody can have a fridge in their bathroom. No, they cannot. <laughs> I think that just surrounding myself with a lot of cool girls and a lot of cool business women have really, really inspired me and helped me out. And I think their friendship has really 
been the biggest win I've probably gotten out of on top of like all the stuff, you know, because the stuff part you get past. But when you get really deep down into it, like it's the support and the friendships. It's the support, the friendships, the seeing how cool it is that we did it all together at the same time that we came up together. And that's really cool too, that you guys are able to band together and not feel like a compare yeah, and despair. It's nice. So it's nice. That your that your successes are all of your successes. Yeah. It's nice to see like I've got to like really support and scream and, you know, clap for a lot of my friends. And they've been able to do the same for me. And now I'm here for you because like I just know that this is going to be huge for you. And I just Thank know you. that like this you're just meant to do something like this, you know? You. So I just hope that I get to, you, you just know, hope you get this I, get back. To, I, I just hope I get to read about your Joe Rogan competing deal. And <laughs> I hope you get to read about that too. So today, like sitting where you sit with having the successes and everything, and it seems like you could have never almost predicted the success for yourself. Does having it all look differently to you today? I just think having it all today for me now is just like feeling good that mm-hmm. day, you know, like feeling like I had a good day, like that. It's more than like things going your way or that you're at a certain milestone with the stuff or the goals on paper. Today, having it all for me is just knowing that I'm safe, that I'm a good person, that my dog is happy, that my team is happy, that my friends are happy. And I just, I've really had some ups and I've really had some downs in my life, as you know. And I just really just don't take those good days for granted anymore. I really just try to stay in the present. I really am grateful that I have things that I love and people that I love in my life. I'm really grateful that I have a passion to pursue. You know, there are other things that I want to pursue now that are in different areas of my life that I'll probably go into, but, and hopefully achieve. But I just think that right now, especially during COVID, just to know that I'm like healthy and that I have food on the table and a roof over my head and, loving people in my life. I'm pretty grateful. I do have that attitude of gratitude. And um, what do you miss most during this quarantining and, and sort of staying at home? I miss, yes, I miss rounding up friends, having a great dinner. I miss being able to go to a concert and dancing. I miss just all the little things that we probably like took for granted that we could just do anything and everything at any moment. But then I've learned all these other things in COVID that I'm really grateful for, you know, like it's taught us to be, to go inward and to like, just be okay with yourself in your own company. Yeah. Which is hard for a lot of people. Absolutely. I always think of Diane von Furstenberg because she always said that the friendship you develop with yourself is the most important because it's true. that's the person that you spend the most time with and it's true. you better hopefully like that person. And I think that's really like hitting the nail on the, on the head because if or the just, coffin for the some coffin. people who yeah, don't exactly. like I know. I mean, I'm sure that. Like, I just think that for a lot of people getting to that place and for myself, like just being happy with who you are and being your best friend during COVID, I think a lot of people have had to go there. I think we've all had to be like, hey, are we cool with just like sitting by myself? And I think before COVID, people weren't. They like ran to the movie theater or they ran to the restaurant or they ran to... Yeah, it's been a great reassessment of like, do we like where we're at? Do we like who we're surrounding ourselves by? We get invited to a lot of events like or prior to COVID. And we know some people that like 
never go out. <laughs> yeah. And we know some people that go to the opening of a paper bag. That's right. You know, but, and then we know people in between. And so whatever you are, like during COVID, you couldn't be that you had to just sit at home. So like, I think that's the future now for a little while. Right. Okay. Tell me something fun. It's called the riff and it could be a product or a practice you know, something that you do in your life that you find makes things a lot easier. I think I have like all of that. I'm doing all of that. Like I definitely have my products that make me feel better. Like I'm definitely, you know, just been a Barbra Storm addict the last like COVID. And I was going to tell you that your skin looks really good right it? now. I, and I'm noticing like cute little freckles on your nose that I've uh, never seen before. Uh, and that's I don't know from, if that's from the sun. That's but from the sun. But it's giving you a really youthful vibe. And oh, I like it. You. Yeah, I've been I've been walking in Malibu a lot. And I've been using Dr. Sturm products like crazy. Yeah, she's the best. And I've been meditating by my fountain how, for how many minutes? minutes? Okay, 10 minutes just because I'm going to try to up that. Is that once or twice a day? I try to do 10 minutes in the morning and then 10 minutes in the bath later. And then I think that like just having like a conversation with a friend, a FaceTime, I try to do that at least like once a day to check in with somebody just to like have a laugh, just to feel like connected. Yeah. Like you know, at work every day at the office, you know, since COVID started, I haven't even taken a break because I've had to be that leader during this time, allowing everybody in my team to have a break. But because it's my business, like I didn't know if I was even going to have a business the first month. Right. I remember when we spoke in the very yeah, beginning. It's so I, scary. It was really frightening. And then so now, like I just have been almost back to like 2006 where I just hustling like before doing things that I never even, you know, driving to FedEx, you know, for my team. We had so many limited restrictions during the beginning. Right. It's like on one hand, it's amazing that you have somebody who is ordering the product that you're shipping out to them, but you no longer have that person in your office who is doing that stuff. So it's all hands on deck. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I really had to step up I really think that like as a female business owner or as a business owner in general during this time, you had to either step up or you should think about not doing it anymore. You know, mm -hmm. I think that you really had to take responsibility for your team, make sure that they were taken care of before yourself, sacrificing your own salary to give to team members so that they were safe, you know, so they, they felt that you care. I think that's really what I tried to emphasize during this time was like how much I care about them and how I tried to just make them feel that they were going to be okay. Right. But it's hard because who's doing that for you? That's right. <laughs> that was the right. toughest part. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, you're like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that right. Yeah. I think if you have self-respect for yourself at the end of the day, you're, that's winning. That's having it all. I right. Think probably that's part of having it all is having a lot of self-respect for yourself. Okay. As far as and other lies, are there any occasion on which you think it's okay to lie or that you lie? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think big lies are good, but I, I think that like- What about big little lies? I think that like little, little lies are okay sometimes. Do I think a lie like, yeah, the chicken salad's cold when it's not. I mean, I think right. that that's okay. I don't think that like- Do you want a warm chicken salad though? If I do, I, I don't want it to be told that it's warm when it's cold. You got know? it. Got I, it. Okay. But I-, mm -hmm. I, but I 
I mean, yeah, I do think like if somebody looks like bad in an outfit, you shouldn't say like, oh my God, you look amazing. You should probably say, you know, I think you could find something a little bit more you or better. Right. Sometimes just like a little one to kind of preserve. Like I think that like when you're at home and you text somebody, I'm on my way, but you're not, I think that's okay. (laughs) But I think that like, like not that I did that to you today, but I'm just saying like. That's true. Anita texted me en route here. <laughs> Babe, I'm stuck on the call. Really? What were you doing then? No, I was. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying like mm-hmm. if you have to like say you're on your way even though like yeah. you're not, yeah. I think that's okay as long as you're going to get there ASAP. Okay. Okay. Anita, for anybody who doesn't follow you yeah. and your designs, where can they find you? AnitaCo.com. And uh, maybe on Instagram? AnitaCoJewelry. And uh, for that trash bag line? Maybe uh, maybe in the archive somewhere. Maybe, maybe in the archive. Depop. Maybe some will pop up. I do actually have the random friend that tells me that they still have the bag from so long ago. So I would like one. You know what? Okay, call, calling all Angelinos. If anyone has a trash bag, please return to uh, sender. I know. Who would have one? Esty maybe? I don't know. We're going to have to track one down for you. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story with everybody. And I love and appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I love you, Sarah. I only want the best for you. The show is going to be amazing. Everybody tune in every week. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of Having It All and Other Lies. I've been having so much fun talking to and learning from all these amazing women. And I hope you're enjoying it too. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review, and also follow along at Having It All Podcast and swing on over to my page at Sarah underscore Riff. I love hearing from you guys. So please keep up the DMs and emails. And if there's anyone that you want to hear from, let us know. In the meantime, we will look forward to seeing you next week.